Hey, welcome to the church at Lake Mead, and this is our sermon podcast. Today is Sunday, September 26th, and Pastor Mike Ney is continuing our house series on creating a culture of generosity. Let's take a listen. Do any of you really enjoy just being in nature to worship? Like you're out in nature and you just worship, right? Like that's, like that is one of the really important places for me to worship. Uh, and, and there are times where you're in nature and you just see the generosity of our King. Like how generous he is. And you're, you're like just being among uh, trees. When you see trees, God could have made just one tree, right? Or he could have made just one type of tree, but he didn't do that. He was a, he's a generous God. And so, so then you're standing among trees and we were in Mammoth uh, Lakes this summer and there are vanilla pine there. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced like smelling vanilla pine. You kind of look foolish having your nose up against a tree, but it smells, so, it's like aromatherapy. God gave this gift of aromatherapy. And, and so like just to be among trees and just think, God, you are so generous. Or if you're, have you ever just, have you ever laid down on your back at night in a place where you could see the stars? Like, and you just, like, I grew up in North Dakota and I could, like, you could see the Milky Way. And, and you think about, like, God could have just made one star, right? And we would have been in, like, like oh, yeah, thank you, God. Like, we would have, but he, he's super generous. And he just, like, just lavishes out, like, all over, uh, is that you back there, Desmond? Yeah. So Desmond and Tiffany, uh, they do this crazy thing of finding sharks and swimming with them. And, uh, and so they went and saw the whale sharks uh, migrating south. And, and God could have made one kind of fish for us to enjoy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Chris, Chris introduced me to sushi. Uh, I'm okay, but it's a lot of fun to have sushi with Chris. Um, the, uh, remember when you were a kid and you'd pick dandelions? Remember, like, I don't know if that happens very much here, but uh, as a kid, you'd pick them and you'd blow the, all the seeds out. Like a single dandelion, which is sometimes considered a weed, but I think you can actually eat them, uh, makes 2,000, one plant makes 2,000 seeds. That's... We do not, we do not worship a God of scarcity, right? Like he is like overflowing with generosity. And we'll see that, you'll see that early on in in scripture. You'll see it in Genesis chapter one. This will like, take a look at this. God just created human human beings. He, He blessed them. And then this is the description. Look for the generosity in this. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. And subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with its seed in it. They will be yours for food. Any vegetarians in here? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Come on now. And to all, there's a... For those of you who are not vegetarians, I'll have a verse for you in just a moment. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. It's as if God, he set this this cosmic table before us and he was just generous. Hmm. 
You know, the, the, to sit at his table and for him to be generous doesn't mean that I'm unrestrained in my consumption. It doesn't mean that it's all for me, right? It's not that, like, what he's called me to at a generous table is to be a good steward of what he gives, right? To, to steward things well. And part of stewardship is generosity. It's to share. Like, that, that we would, as this generation at this time, would steward all of creation well right now for the next generation. For some reason, Christians grabbed onto this idea that we shouldn't take care of the earth. And over the last, I don't know, I grew up in the 90s, and there was just this resistance of being, like, caring for our community, our creation. When in the first page, pages of Genesis, it's called us to be good stewards of all that we have. And so, so we are to, like, not be unrestrained in our consumption of what God has given us, but that we would be generous with it. That would flow from us. And we'll see that in a conversation that God has with Abraham. Look at this. I will make you, he's saying this to Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and make you famous, not just so that it executes on you, but you would be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. When I prepare a table for you, you are to invite all the earth to it. Like that you would just take what I give you and you'd be generous with it. And so what I want to do today, ooh, I'm jumping ahead. Let's go to one more passage. Genesis 18. Look at how Abraham plays this out in a small way. Ready? The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. And one day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. Sounds a little like here. He looked up and he noticed three men standing nearby. And when he sees them, I want you to see how generous he is with, like, who he is. He doesn't just walk over to them. He doesn't wave and pass by. Watch how he responds to these, these strangers that are coming close. He runs to meet them, and he welcomes them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he says, if it pleases you, I want you to stop and stay a while, and look how he, play, how he treats them. I want you to rest in the shade of this tree while water is being brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. It's as if Abraham is saying, this is how my God has treated me. Therefore, I'm going to prepare a table for you and I'm going to welcome you in and I'm going to be fully generous with who I am and what I have with you. That is the table that God has prepared for us. So here's what I want to do today. I want us to have a discussion about generosity we are in this series called this house series. In our first week, we talked about a house of worship where we gather together and we sing and we listen and we respond to God and we, we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and transform us. Last week, we talked about a house of prayer and you, many of you in this room were trans, like just blessed by being prayed over and prayed with um, before you left. And we wanna continue that. We'll do that a little bit. Today, I want us to talk about a house of generosity that we would be a generous house, reflective of our creator who's so generous with us. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when he's generous with us, that we would allow that to pour out from us to others. 
And it's this form, this idea of Christiformity. That's the word we've been uh, bringing to the table here. This Christiformity that we would be like Jesus. Not only individually, but as a whole, we would be like Jesus. And Brad had challenged each of us to say, listen, every church has a culture. And many of you have experienced different uh, churches with different cultures. Some of you are relocating from, uh, from different places, and you're looking for a place that, look, that feels similar to the culture you had at the church you had before here. And what we're saying, challenging each of us, is that all of us play a part in contributing to this culture of, of worship and prayer, and now generosity. That each of us have a, have a role to play when it comes to building into this family of God a culture that reflects Jesus. And we would do that collectively together. So Scott McKnight says this, the pastor's calling and the church's calling are to nurture people into Christiformity. They would nurture one, of each, one another like we'd encourage each other, foster each other. We'd provoke each other, as, as uh, King James would say, provoke each other to love and good works, right? So to nurture people into Tove, this goodness of our God. This word Tove was said several times in Genesis 1. That he would see this and he would say, oh, this is tov. This is good. And I believe that generosity is tov. Everything within us says that we need to hoard and keep and hold on tightly to. Yet God is calling us to, to give and to let go and be generous like he is, to reflect him. And not only do I want us to be a house that's generous, but I want to talk about this table. So I believe that the table is a representation of generosity. It's a symbol of being generous. It's an opportunity for you to sit down, not only to be generous with your resources, but to be generous with your, your presence, your time, your welcoming, your love for others. Like it's, this, it's a, just a wonderful symbol, a representation of how you are on the inside of being generous, right? And I want us to, to consider as a house together, I want our table to be a king-sized table, this kingdom-sized table where, where all are invited to sit, right? Because that's reflective of who our God is. So, so a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I was in Denver. We had a layover, um, and and I kind of I don't mind layovers. It allows me to just to rest a little bit um, and slow down. And in front of our gate, there are these tables. Have you ever been to a restaurant that has communal tables, where it's like one big table? That's really awkward for introverts. Because they don't know what to do with that, right? Like I walk up and I awkwardly wonder if this is my seat and I won't say much, right? Because you, you kind of you slowly sit down and hope that nobody else was sitting there. And then while I sat down, somebody came and sat right next to me. So as an introvert, that is even more awkward. Like, am I supposed to engage in conversation? If so, how, like, I'm not really good with... Um, I'm not really good with small talk. So am I allowed to go really deep in conversation with somebody uh, and ask them some tough questions? Because uh, that's just where I, I enjoy. Um, and, and many of you, you thrive at a communal table. Like people are your friends before you even meet them, right? You sit at a communal table and can't wait till others join you, right? You're inviting and you're welcoming. Like introverts need you so that they can just sit silent as you do all of the work, uh, right? So, so this... <laughs> So this communal, this idea of a, 
of the table where we're inviting others to this fall and winter. Some of you are already anticipating Thanksgiving and you're looking forward. You already have your countdown to Christmas and you invite everybody over. Like that's, like that's really exciting to you. You love playing that role. Uh, you, inv- you love a full table. And I do too. Even as an introvert, I love when our table is full, when there's people all around it. My favorite part, literally my favorite part of being around a full table is listening and sitting, just like watching conversation. I could do that and not ever have to be a part of it. Like I just enjoy that. And, and th- th- that's, that's where I rest. Uh, and it's important that we have that table often. So I want you to think about this. Let's do a th- thought exercise for a moment. Just, just picture the last time you had a full table and the goodness of that. Some of you, you got a little PTSD because the last time was your family and that didn't go too well, right? Like, um, but a really good, like good food, good conversation, people opening up to each other. They're just this welcoming, like we're together. Isaiah does a beautiful job painting this picture of the kingdom of God. He wrote this 700 years before Jesus walked this earth. But look at this. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be delicious banquet. Here it is for those non-vegetarians. With clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. Right? That is a good table. Right? Like that's a good banqueting table right there. Like just that there are people from all nations, tribes, and tongues gathered together around this table and God himself is the host of it. And Isaiah just draws us like a beautiful picture, like this is the kingdom of God. No wonder Jesus ate with so many people. He was reflective of the kingdom of God. He sat table after table with people to show this is the kingdom of God. Look at this verse describing Jesus. The son of man, that's the title for Jesus. Well, I'll tell you about it in just a moment came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This was the reputation down here that he started to get because he did this so much. The Son of Man, it's it's written a couple of times, that title, Son of Man, is written a few times in the Gospels. Daniel says it first, several hundred years before. And so Jesus is called the Son of Man. And in those passages, it tells why Jesus came to earth, why Yahweh was in the flesh on this earth. Here are a couple of examples. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. This is why Jesus came, to serve and give his life. Here's the second one. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. He was out there looking for the lost and to seek and to save them. That's why he came. Now, how did he do it? What was a method that he began to proclaim that message? What method did he use? Back to that other verse, he came eating and drinking. That was his method of sharing the gospel. He would eat and drink with people over and over again. Like that was part of who Jesus was. That was his method to proclaim the gospel, was to sit down with people at tables over and over again and reflect the kingdom of God. 
Tim, Tim Chester says this in his book, for Jesus' feast was not just a metaphor for the kingdom. As Jesus announced the feast of the kingdom, he also brought into reality through his own feasting. Jesus did not go around merely talking about eating and drinking. He went around eating and drinking a lot. Why do I say this? Because this was Jesus showing the generosity of the creator. And I'm, ta- I'm not talking about just being generous with things. I'm talking about loving people well, being full of grace for people who may not feel like they deserve even coming to that table. Like welcoming, can you, can you picture Jesus sitting at a table with people no one else wanted at their table and he was reflecting the kingdom of God. In Luke 5, Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners at Levi's home. In Luke 7, he is anointed in Simon the Pharisee's house during a meal. In Luke 9, he feeds 5,000 people. In Luke 10, Jesus eats in the same house as Mary and Martha. In Luke 11, he's condemned by Pharisees and teachers while he's eating. In Luke 14, he, he brings everybody together and watches as they are vying for the best seat at the table. And then he gives this parable about, hey, this is not the kingdom of heaven. What we do in the kingdom of heaven is a lot different. And those who you think don't belong at the table, I'm inviting them in and they're going to sit at the table. It made one person exclaim, oh, oh, it's going to be so wonderful to be in the kingdom of God. And so, so you have Jesus. He's like, okay, this is who you invite. And, and listen, you don't just invite people who can return the favor because following Jesus is not a transaction with the world. Following Jesus is this overflowing of my heart to others, no matter how they respond to it. And so here I am, I'm going to set this table like Jesus, and I'm going to invite all those to come. And in that story, in Luke chapter 14, he tells of of God inviting people who don't even want to come. They have too many excuses. And so God, in his patience and his generosity, goes and says, go out and get other people. Go to the highways and the hedges, places that no one else will look, and invite them to be at my table. And so this is our generous God. Luke 19, Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house and his life's transformed. Luke 22, a very humble experience at the table, the last supper before Jesus is crucified. Luke 24, the risen king walks with two on this road, gets invited to their house and has dinner and infuses hope into them. Later, he, he makes breakfast on the shore of the sea and invites his disciples to come and eat with him. Robert Karras says this, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. <laughs> Some of that describes you, right? I won't say who, but one of my family members, while we're having lunch, is trying to make decisions for dinner, right? Like that's, any of you like that? Yeah. Like, food is good. Jim Gaffigan, I've said this before, Jim Gaffigan talks about vacationing is just eating somewhere else, right? So that is the life. Jesus, while he ate, he showed generosity by multiplying loaves and fishes. He showed grace by being with Levi and Zacchaeus. He showed hospitality at the wedding. He showed forgiveness to the woman who was at his feet. He showed love at the Last Supper, and he shows hope to the disciples at Emmaus. This is Jesus being at the table on purpose, kingdom-minded, and it keeps on growing. The church, when Jesus ascends to heaven, the church immediately 
adopts it. They're, because they've been experiencing it over and over again. They've sat at so many tables, the disciples were like, are we really sitting at this table? They would do that over, but then they got it. Once Jesus sacrificed his life, he rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven, and they get it. And so they're like, okay, immediately we're gonna do this as a church. Watch, Acts 2. All the believers, all of them, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to pray. This was the reputation and the culture of the church. They would share meals with each other. They'd share meals with people who couldn't afford meals. They'd share meals with people that, that shouldn't all be in the same room. There was question about that. They would set a table and invite others. So here's what I wanna do in our last part of this message. I wanna invite us as a church to learn how to set the table well. And I say that figuratively and literally, that we would set tables over and over with a kingdom mind, mindset, that every table I set is this welcoming, generous God I'm reflecting, like that I would invite others in. And it would be often there's times where the table is uncomfortable. In Psalms 23, it says that he set my table before my enemies, right? And, and then oftentimes the, those who were religious would look at the table that would be set and then begin to ridicule the people that were doing it, including Jesus. But this table setting is this act of generosity with, with who I am and with what I have. Hmm. So here, here's what it looks like on Sundays. I believe that setting a table on a Sunday morning here in this church family is is not treating this church like Walmart where I pass by strangers without interaction. It's me setting a table of welcome that every single one of us, every one of us, if you've been here three months or longer, you've said, okay, this is my family, that every one of us sets a table for the stranger in this room where we are inviting, we'd be like Abraham, we'd run to a person, don't freak them out, but we would go to a person and we would be hospitable. We would show hospitality is the welcoming of a stranger and that we would embrace people and we would say, okay, hey, why don't you come and sit by me? That is a table setting experience on a Sunday morning that every person is a neighbor as Jesus would call it. So you and I, what I wanna do is I wanna invite us to consider like, what does this look like to set a table? Like, how do I show generosity on a Sunday morning and then the other six days of the week? How do I do that? So I wanna go over some things to practice. And to practice, what I wanna, what I, I'm gonna take something from Craig Groeschel. He gave a great uh, uh, um, message on generosity. And he gave these three, three areas that we could, three ways we could be generous. These three stages in a believer's life on how we could show generosity. So I wanna go through those and then I'm gonna go through the way, that, uh, uh, way of confession in just a little bit. So generosity number one is spontaneous generosity. It's these moments where we didn't plan it, we came across the need, and we responded, we hurry and set a table, 
and, and, and gave ourselves to somebody. It's the Good Samaritan experience where the Good Samaritan is on this traveling road. He is going somewhere. He's got somewhere to be. And he sees somebody that's hurting on the side of the road, stops everything, cares for them, takes them to a place and says, hey, I'll be back. I still got to fulfill this role. So, so that's spontaneous generosity. So sometimes, like in a month and a half, we're going to present to you some needs for Christmas time. And many of you respond spontaneously to that need. Like, and then there are times where you'll come across a need and you'll, you'll help somebody, you'll care for somebody. And how that is like tangibly, sometimes some of you may keep a $20 bill in your pocket. And when you come across a need, you respond uh, with it. Uh, so this idea, like just being spontaneous. So Carolina earlier gave us an opportunity of spontaneous generosity by welcoming each other, like to say hello to each other and, and to turn around and greet your neighbor. That is a generous act when you acknowledge and see somebody else. So what I'm going to do for all of you, you introverts, I know this is a little bit, like causes a little anxiety for me too. I'm going to have us practice that one more time. And what I want us to do is to, to get other names. I forget names. I'm terrible with names. Uh, and so I forget them. And so what I want you to do, even if you think the other person knows your name, I want you to ask uh, that you tell each other your name. All right. Just say, this is my name. Cause it's for those people who've known you for five years and they still don't know your name, right? Like, are you with me? Yes. Okay. So I'm sorry if you're new. Uh, we're going to just love well right now. We're going to be generous spontaneously. So let's say hi to one another. Let's give each other a name and let's, let's have some welcoming going on. So do that right now. Oh, you're being super generous. Love you. I love you. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you got somebody's name. Uh, I encourage you often to just tell each other your names because just being generous with each other by, uh, by being okay with uh, forgetting names. Um, so that's spontaneous. I'm going to move through really quickly these next two. So these are st stages of, of generosity. So the next one is strategic generosity. Some of you are, are strategists. You plan everything. You had a meeting this morning just to plan the Sunday, right? You, you meet every Sunday night to plan the next week, and you know what you're doing this time next year, right? Like you have it all planned out. This is a verse for you, Isaiah 32. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity, Right? Like that's a strategic, generous, uh, generous person. And this is, these are people who will give, and I'm encouraging each of you, like that if you would come, like graduate from spontaneous giving uh, 
to, to strategic generosity, where you plan, because we know that there are times where people will come across needs. And so some of you would, would say, okay, I'm going to take 1% of my budget, and I'm going to be generous with it. And that will be a big step for you. And others, you're going to go like, I want to graduate up to 5% of my budget. I'm going to be generous with 5% or going up to 20%. Some of you are like at that 10 to 20 part mark, and you are super generous. You do walk around with cash in your pocket just to be generous with others. You're, you've got this budget in mind. And some of you, you are generously giving often to this church so that this community can continue to do the work of the ministry among each other. And so, so this is like strategic, I'm planning it, I'm working on this. So some of you, not just resources, but your time. So you would, you would strategically plan to be here five, 10 minutes early, just so you can do what I, we just did. Like you would walk around this room and you would welcome others. You would set a table for a stranger that you would strategize. And even at the end of a service, stay a little bit longer just to care for other people. The church as a whole, we, we, we plan strategically on being generous. This year, we've said we are going to invest in the next generation. We believe that the scriptures say from generation to generation, that's the hope, that we would, we would pass on faith to the next generation of who Jesus is. And so I, I shared this a little bit in our family meeting last week. In January, we brought on a full-time children's pastor. Prior to that, it was always part-time. And we just said, we have got to make this full-time. We're gonna be, we're gonna care well for your families. And so uh, Pastor Jamie came on in January. Then just recently, we, we transitioned Chris into full-time student ministry where he would care for the, the students here. Uh, and, and so like, okay, we're gonna do that. Then we just uh, hired uh, Tyler Graham as our next gen pastor. He's, he's part-time and he's caring well for our 20s and 30s somethings and that we hope to bring him on full-time soon and that would that would depend on us collectively being generous to care for each of those generations that we would do that we we, we partner with many ministries around the world to to strategically care for those who scripture says god is interested in caring for and so each of you contribute to that. And if you aren't, I would encourage you, if you've been here three months or more, that you would begin to say, okay, I'm going to be a strategic giver towards this ministry because this is your family. And God is doing incredible things together as a family. And some of them you may not know, and we want to keep on announcing what, wow, God is doing so much in between Sundays over and over again and on Sunday mornings. So shamelessly, three ways to give here. There, you could give just by uh, putting it in the box in the back or throwing it on, uh, online, doing it digitally. But to just join us in this, I'm inviting you to, to be a strategic uh, giver. All right, last one. Sacrificial generosity. This is when you decide, I'm willing to be generous even when it hurts. Okay, introverts. Our homes are our refuge, Right? When we go out and there's all the people and all the busyness of traffic and all that, we go home and we're like, oh, sometimes extroverts, you do the same, right? Like you, oh, I just need to be at home. And that's good. I, I am a firm believer in the practice of silence and solitude, right? Come on, like that's, like I believe that's good. Introverts, it's a lot easier for us. Christy, are you, a, yeah, you like silence and solitude too, right? Yeah, I, I'm like all in on that. But I'll confess, 
I could take that too far. I could go out of the discipline of silence and solitude and into this narcissistic, I want to be alone, right? And so I need to guard that because I need to be, I need to be sacrificial in my time and in in caring and loving other people. And so extroverts, you're all ready for a table all the time, right? Like all the time. And so what I'm going to encourage you in this in the sacrificial giving is to, to really listen. Like, and to, to just be present for other people and, and to ask some questions and not only make statements, but ask questions so that you can really hear from others. And that's the sacrifice. Like Jesus calls us to die daily, right? And there are times where we got to die daily to our own personalities, whether you're a seven or a nine or a one or a four, like, or that you're introvert or extrovert. We are all called to die to some of this personality stuff and live the kingdom of God together, right? And so, so setting this table sometimes causes me to be sacrificial. Well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to host a life group. And I want people to be there, right? Or I'm going to be a part of Alpha, and I'm going to sit at a table and just be with others. Or I'm going to go to Jumpstart. I'm going to just, okay, I'm tired, but I'm going to go do this because I know my soul needs it. Like this idea of a sacrificial generosity of your time, your presence, your giftings for the church. All right. Let's move on. i got to finish this up. The way I want to end this is just in in a posture of confession. So I'm, we're going to do this together, and I'm not going to assume that these are all, all of these things you need to confess, but I think it's good collectively that we confess these things. Whether you struggle with it at all or not, uh, I think collectively as a church family, we would just confess these things out so that we could continue to be a generous family. Many of you are so generous. You are so Generous. You set a table for others often. Some of you serve children, and you set a table for children in this welcoming way, and you teach about who Jesus is. Some of you, you set a table for, for uh, student ministry, like Seneca. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you. Where you set a table for students to come together and learn about Jesus. Like, that is like this idea of setting tables over and over for each other. So here's what I want to do. I want to, like, we're going to go in a moment of confession here. And the very first thing we're going to confess is, confess the I'll give when I have more mindset. Even there's a psalm where they asked God, would you really set a table in the wilderness? And God's like, of course I would. So even if you feel like you don't have everything to, to be generous and set a table, God's like, I can do this through you. Holy Spirit, would we just confess right now. This excuse that we'll be more generous than when we have more. Would you just take that from us and help us be good stewards of what you have given us, whether that's a, a gift a spiritual gift, a personality gift, uh, the skill set, whether it's our time, whether it's our our, uh, resources, whatever it is, God, would you help us to just be generous? This other confession, the confess that I'm too busy mindset. I'm not advocating for you to add a ton of stuff on your calendar because I think our God is a God of rest too. 
And I think that's really important. You cannot fully fulfill what God has called you to do if you do not rest. We are limited creatures, and oftentimes we think we are limitless. In a sense, we're limitless because of the power of God, but he also made us limited so that we are dependent on him and interdependent on each other, and, and we need to rest. So if you're fully busy, maybe this confession of like, oh God, help me learn to rest. I do not need to fill everything up with activity. Father, we, cl- we collectively confess when we're too busy to see needs, sit across from tables of, of a table with a person who weeps, confess when we have too much going on and we're not aware of your kingdom, make us more aware. This last one, confess it's too uncomfortable mindset. Father, we confess these moments where we're uncomfortable and we don't wanna do it. Father, I confess moments where I just feel too awkward to respond to your kingdom, to respond to your spirit, to, to set a table for others. So would you use us over and over again to reflect your generosity, to reflect a God who is interested in others, who loves others well. I wanna end with this scripture. It's what we started with. It's this beautiful dining table. Lots of people are represented there. They're all sitting there. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. And there Yahweh will remove the cloud of gloom and the shadow of death. On Friday, I got a text. And as soon as my... um, I could hear it, it just announced who the text was from. I knew this, I knew this text would be the, my dear friend going to be with Jesus. And I, I just sat up this, on this wall and held to, on to the hope that he's gonna remove the shadow of death that hangs over the earth and he will swallow up death forever. What a beautiful table to be sitting at, that he will swallow up death forever. He's gonna wipe away every tear. Each of us as believers can sit at tables right now and wipe away tears temporarily in hopes that he will one day wipe away every tear. And we need to give generously that hope to other people. And so we respond to his spirit to set that table over and over again. He's gonna remove forever all insults and mockery, amen, against his land and people. I love this phrase, the Lord has spoken. The Lord has spoken. All right. Hmm. Holy Spirit, would you give us just a time of reflection, time to be together, to consider what you're calling us to. 
Would you stand with me? We're going to just continue. We're going to set a table of praying for each other.